my supper. Let's pray. Father God, I, I'm unworthy to be here in this holy of holy places. Lord, I pray that you'll just bless tonight. Lord, uh, just you take over. You do exactly with me what you would have me to say and what you would have me to s- deliver for your good, not for the glory of any one thing that I might do, but Lord, that all things will be done for your glory. Amen. Father, it's so good to be able to stand in this pulpit and preach again. Lord, as I get older, I realize that Things aren't always going to be the same, but Lord, you'll always be the same. Now, Lord, bless in this service, bless the reading of your word, bless the preaching that's going to be attempted. Lord, you use it, and we'll thank you for it. Some 46, God bless you, (laughs) go ahead and sit down. Some 46 years ago, I preached my first message, all 15 minutes of it. That's all it was, 15 minutes. Uh, we, were in, we were Bible students at the time, and, and uh, we only had, I think, 22 preachers. It was uh, one of those New Year's Eve watch night services. And I preached my first message that night called Devilitis. Brother Gentry, who headed up the school at that time, I ran into him some five or six years ago, and he told me that he had kept my outline. See, as students, we, we had class and we had to write the outline for our sermons and, and he kept my outline and he took that thing. He said, I've preached that message in 30 states, five con- countries, and today he's still a missionary in Malawi, South Africa. He's a missionary to these little albino kids. See, over in South Africa, when one of those children are born as an albino, they'll take them out in the jungle and they'll just leave them there. And when I talked to him, he had some 23 of them. So this message is, is as old as I am. But it never changes. See, tonight I want to tell us about the worst disease in the world. You know, in 1978, the word AIDS came out. Now, I know you young people, you don't know anything about that, and I pray that you never will. But... It was God's answer to homosexuality. And it came out about the same time as the churches were really on fire for God. 
God's answer to that hideous disease somehow has been negated by scientists, the world system. I thought about some of these worst diseases. Uh, when I was a kid, TB was, boy, you, you had to get tested for TB all the time. I mean, I'm, I know I'm talking to some of these older folks, but you young folk, listen up. It, it'll, it'll hit you here in a minute. Polio was rampant, 1950, 1960, and the only cure they had back then would put you into an iron lung. That's a big old metal thing they put around them. It was a hideous disease. But you know, it's not the worst disease in the world. The Spanish flu came out in 1918. We think about this corona thing. It's just, uh, I mean, it could be just starting. But it, in 1918, the Spanish flu killed somewhere between 50 and 100 million people. And there wasn't 8 billion people on the planet Earth then like there is now. Now, I think about uh, the worst disease in the world. Uh, we've got the coronavirus here in the U.S. It has surpassed a million people. It's killed more than a million people here in the U.S. But worldwide, it's only a little over nine million. Now, I say that because it's a big world, folks. But we've got a big God who can take care of all these things. Now, tonight I want us to look at an even worse disease than all of that. It's called devilitis. Now, if you don't, if you don't understand what devilitis is, I'm going to explain to you. I told you I'd get to you young people in a little bit. Devilitis will hit you on a Sunday morning when it's time to get up and go to church and you say, I'm tired. I don't feel like going. I'm tired. I just, I just can't make it today. Or, wait a minute. It's not just young people. Some of the older folks say... Well, I work all week. I, I can't make I can't I can't give my Sunday to go to church. They're like the scripture where the fellows were all given these excuses. But it's not only Sunday, Sunday night. Boy, it's easy to Take a nap and just, I'm tired. I'm not going back. Wednesday night, it's, it's time to go to the house of God. And what do people do? They say, well, I've worked all day long. I'm tired. I'm not, I'm not going to go today. Our house, 
of God is as important on Wednesday as it is on Sunday. I don't, I don't understand the concept of staying home on Wednesday any more than I understand the concept of staying home on Sunday. But you know what it is? Devilitis. We were, we were coming to church tonight, and I uh, was right there at Dripping Springs in 90, and lo and behold, there was a car who ran over a motorcycle right there at the intersection. I thought, oh Lord, devilitis, I'm going to be late for church. But you know, there was a fellow out there, he was directing traffic, and he, I didn't even have to stop. Just went right around it. See, God knew what I was going to be preaching tonight because I had told the wife and, and the boy, I said, I'm going to preach devilitis. He said, I've already heard it. Well, I know you have. Part of it. I only got to preach 15 minutes of it, remember? Tonight there's uh, even worse diseases. You know, it's been said, now I can't verify this, and I, I, I've tried to prove it. I've, I've looked and searched, and I mean, I've, I've given since 46 years trying to find these 39, but the Bible, it's been said that there's 39 diseases in the Word of God. 39 diseases. Does that ring a bell for anybody? Jesus had 39 stripes, didn't he? And Isaiah said, by his stripes we are healed. Now, let me make you aware of some of these 39 diseases that I know about. I'm not going to give you all 39 of them. We've already seen dropsy in... In uh, Luke 14. Back in Leviticus 26. Leviticus is full of, of the law. And, and full of, I mean it's full of a lot of things. But in Leviticus 26. In verse 16. We're given two of these. So now we have dropsy. We have the two that we're given in Leviticus. Consumption and ague. Anybody know what consumption is? TB. There's one scholar in the place in there. I thought Brother Bailey would have known that one. How about ague? Amen. A-G-U-E. Ague. That's a disease similar to what we call malaria. Of course, we all know that there's a disease of alcoholism. Many a drunkard are mentioned in the Bible. Now, let's be fair about it. The sanitation system back then wasn't what we have today. Dysentery was running rampant because there, the, the water was poor. And even the... Paul told Timothy to 
drink wine instead of water. Now, I don't know about these namby-pamby preachers who want to stand up and tell you that Jesus didn't turn the water into wine, that he turned it into grape juice. The Bible says wine. And that's what he did. And he did it for the very reason that I just said. He, the, the people were infested with dysentery, so he turned it into wine like his mother asked him to do. Now, I uh, know about as much about alcoholism as I, I know about anything. I've never experienced it. I've never had to deal with it. But I do know that Noah did. And I do know the consequences that Noah had to pay because of it. And then there's this disease of blindness. I wonder why that so many times in the Bible we're told that Jesus cured the blind. And I got to study and I, I figured it out. That blindness was caused by that dry heat. The blowing sands. There in the Middle East. I could even talk about baldness. They wore them turbans and they got it too tight and they, the head didn't come out because of that. Same reason. I'm sorry, brother. I just just didn't, didn't think of you, but uh, that was one of the diseases. We're told uh, about Job and all his troubles. Everybody know about Job? Plagued with boils. Anybody know about Jehoram? He had boils on top of boils. We'd call them carbuncles today. Perhaps even the bubonic plague was what his problem was. We know about leprosy. It's all around everywhere. At the Bible, it tells about it. But you know, it's still, in some third world countries, there's still leprosy. Now, I'm going to walk delicately on this next one. <laughs> the Bible talks about obesity. I'm not going to preach on gluttony because you can be gluttony and still be skinny. You can be glutton for punishment or something of that nature, but obesity is an actual disease. Now, Brother Steve, you be careful. Some of these buttons, is, they, they, they stretch pretty tight. All right. I've thought about uh, obesity. In the book of Judges, there's a man called Eglon. Now, Eglon is the kind of fellow I'd want to stand beside. Because beside him, I'd look skinny. Eglon, the Bible said, 
and I quote, he was a fat man. God don't whitewash anything. He always calls it like it is. He was a fat man. And he was so fat that the fat covered the sword that he carried. Now, that's why I could stand beside him and look skinny. I'm not going to go through a lot of these that I've gotten written down. I, I don't want to take a lot of time. I want to get to the part that's really, really concerning me. The last disease that I want you to hear about is old age. You know, if you live long enough, young people, you'll get old. And you know, two or three weeks ago, I was your age. When I came to this church, I didn't have no problem walking down this aisle, standing up straight. I was fit. I didn't shake as much as I do now. I didn't have the problems that I have now physically. But I'm getting older. We all get older. It is appointed unto man once to die. You can't escape it. Unless the Lord comes back, and boy, I've been sure praying for that. Amen. Lord, come back and take us all out of here, if you're saved. Amen. If you're not saved, uh, wouldn't it be awful if the Lord came back right now, and you was the only one sitting on the, one of these pews? In Luke 14, and verse... 24, Jesus makes a profound statement. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. All those lawyers, all those Pharisees, all those that had been invited to that dinner and they didn't come, they're not going to be able to taste of that supper. He's talking about the marriage supper of the Lamb. See, when I preached this message 46 years ago, I didn't know some of these things. But I do realize that if you're not saved and you're not born again, you're just like the Lawyers and the Pharisees that we read about. There's no difference. The Bible tells us, Wherefore as one man's sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Every one of us. That is the Ultimate sin. Devilitis. It's not just a matter of staying out of church. It's not just a matter of negating your 
obligations to go out and soul win and knock on doors and witness for the Lord. It's not just a matter of you not doing what God has divinely inspired in your heart to do. See, once you're saved, you want to do those things. But old devil Ida slips in, and you no longer want to do those things. It frustrates me sometimes when I knock on somebody's door and they say, yeah, I'm coming. But you know what? They're not rejecting me. They're rejecting the one who sent me. The Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to give you the cure for devilitis. That'd be all right. You don't mind if I come down here? There's only one cure for devilitis. It's that royal, rich blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's only one cure. Oprah Winfrey, she run around, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car. Well, Jesus gave his last drop of blood so that you get a drop, you get a drop, you get a drop. And there's enough blood to cover the sins of each and every one of us. I hope I can get through this next part. The Lord Jesus Christ, there on, before he went to Calvary, before he went up that hill, he began to shed that blood. They took that crown of thorns and they placed it on his head. It wasn't gently placed, folks. Those Roman soldiers knew how to do it. They jammed it down into his head and, and the blood came out because he pushed it right into the bone, the skull. I read a commentary by, actually it's a whole book, historical book by Josephus. He gives a historical account of how these Roman soldiers would execute their duties in these crucifixions. When they not only put the crown of thorns on his head, then they spit in his face. Boy, that'd make me mad. That'd make me almost want to jump here. No, I'm not going to. That'd make me mad. Brother Thomas, if I come over and start pulling at your bill, you're going to get angry, ain't you? You know, uh, it hurts when I shave with a dull blade. I mean, it hurts. Can you imagine? They plucking his beard. Now they didn't grab his whole beard and jank on it. They plucked it like he would a chicken. So the pain would be there. 
more pain, more pain, more pain. You know, I love the Lord, and I hate to think about what he endured. After they plucked his beard, they took him to the whipping post. And they tied his hands up there on that whipping post. And they brought that cat of nine tails. Now let's think about that a minute. We think about a whip as being one of those cracks. No, this wasn't a cat. The nine tails didn't crack like that. It had little steel barbs in it. And they would take that whip and bring it across the back of Jesus and tear into the flesh and pull it out. Those Roman soldiers, when they smote Jesus, I read that they had in their gloves the same metal spikes. They'd smack him. But you know, it didn't break his, no bones. The Bible said no bones were ever broken. But yet, Isaiah said his visage was marred more than that of any man. His face was so marred, nobody could ever compare it to anything. And the blood just kept coming. They whipped him with the cat of nine tails. Brother Prophet, I don't believe one Roman soldier could whip that thing 39 times. I believe they just took turns. I really believe they just took turns bringing that down on Jesus, initiating pain like they'd been trained to do. You know why I believe this? Because even today there's idiots like the boy who Uvalde who went in there and shot them kids and didn't, didn't have a heart, didn't matter a bit to him. Those Roman soldiers, it didn't matter to them at all. And then they took and threw him on that, that cross on his back. Old rough cross. It wasn't sawed off two by fours, four by fours. It was old rough timber. That dug into that flesh. And he made his way as far as he could up Calvary's hill. Now I don't know if this is true or not, but Josephus said he fell beneath the load and the Roman soldier kicked him to get him up. I don't know. I, the Bible don't tell you that part. But the Bible does say that there was a man who named Simon of Serene who came and helped him. Oh God, that I would have been Simon. I'd rather been Simon than anybody that I know. I'd have loved to help my Lord and Savior carry up that hill. You know what? You and I can do that today. We can help Jesus 
carry that cross. You say, are you crazy? Yeah, I'm crazy for Jesus. There's a job for each and every one of us to do. There's no reason to make an excuse. There's no reason for you to have devilitis. You carry that cross. When he got up there at the top of Calvary's Hill on that level plain, they took and they nailed domes. Nails in his hands. I don't know. I've tried to figure out where you go through here and not break a bone. But they did it because my Bible says they never broke a bone. And they did the same thing on his feet. Never broke a bone. After they nailed him to that cross, them Roman soldiers, they picked that cross up with my Lord and Savior on it, took it over to the hole, and they dropped it with a thud. And you know what? Josephus said the ground shook. I believe it. I believe the demons in hell actually shook at that time. They weren't sure what was going on. They might have been celebrating, I'm not sure, but Jesus went down and settled all that later. And after they stood him up there in that hole, six long agonizing hours he suffered and bled and died for you and me and the entire world that were willing to accept the love of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Six long hours. I can't stand here for six hours. I'm weak. He is strong. He's my God. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. That, folks, is the cure for devilitis. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much that you've given me these